Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven, eight, forget Amazon sellers, particularly those who are looking to grow fast and hopefully exit for a nice juicy seven-figure sum one of these days soon. So today we got a guest who's going to really help us with the scaling and growth piece, Costas Anastasiadis, who's the head of business development for Storefund. And Storefund is a company that helps accelerate e-commerce business growth globally via daily cash flow service. First of all, warm welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for uh, having me, Michael. My pleasure. And it's been a while. We've been in conversation for a while about this. We had lots of discussions. Delighted to finally get you on the show. Where are you coming to us from today? Well, Storfan is located in London, in the UK, but I'm located in Athens, Greece. So Excellent. now during uh, the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of uh, moving around the globe. Absolutely. I love Athens, Greece. Like where else would Athens be? But I guess it's probably in Athens, Georgia for the American listeners. There's kind of a London somewhere, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> I always think London, England makes me laugh every time I hear about Athens, Greece. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, obviously a very international business and you said globally. So this is going to be for people who sell pretty much anywhere in any of the Amazon marketplaces in the world or indeed other e-commerce, you know, channels. So the first thing we've got to talk about is, I guess this is a form of funding, right? So this is about how to get extra cash available to help grow the businesses. First, let's deal with the word funding. What is funding and how does this relate to words like investment, debt and loans in the world of store fund? Yeah, that's a great one. So what we actually do is a good old factoring of receivables. So this service has been around for uh, decades, actually for centuries. So what uh, the storefront team has done was brought the factoring of receivables uh, to the API-driven age, to the digital age. And uh, the service is fully API-driven and tailored for e-commerce. So what we do is not alone. We accelerate your scheduled Amazon disbursements. So we unlock the uh, trap liquidity. And in this way, you can grow faster. Now, the uh, novelty of this solution is that we can do that across 17 Amazon marketplaces. So, you know, you can be a UK seller that is already active in the Eurozone, and maybe you plan to expand to Canada and America. Storefund will uh, give you the opportunity to factor your receivables, factor the Amazon receivables, and uh, give you the liquidity on a daily basis. Excellent. So daily liquidity is one of the things. So I guess one of the reasons you exist is it's, get, it's hard to get liquidity. So that's a, that's a funny sort of technical sounding word, isn't it? We might have to dig into, but it's hard to get cash. And I guess traditionally what people would think of is getting a loan from a bank, right? So why is it, how does this fit in relative to a loan from a bank? I mean, obviously you don't work for a bank. I'm not asking you to talk about banks and, and defend what they do, but how does this fit into the overall sort of solutions for, for sellers? 
Yeah, I mean, and that, that's a that's another great question. So now there, there are categories. For example, uh, larger entities, some of our larger clients, and they are doing over seven and eight figures. They have a more, let's say, diverse capital base. So it's their own equity. They also have a line of credit from a bank, but they also utilize the daily payment service of Storefund. Right. So in this way, let's say they're fine tuning their whole capital structure and Storefront adds some value there. Now, for, let's say, younger enterprises or smaller sellers who are over the 250,000 annual balance mark and they have aspirations to reach seven figures or for a uh, e-commerce business that's already there, you know, a couple of million, but they want to go, they want to grow further. As you said in your preamble, they, hopefully they might be able to exit if, if they grow, if they grow their business and, and the value. Uh, right there, you know, we, what I always say is it's better to start with a daily payment service. It's better to use your own funds and un- unlock that liquidity uh, from Amazon to shorten your cash cycle and accelerate your growth. I believe, and, and, and my experience over the past two years has shown that, that I'm in this space, that it's better to start in this way before you opt to add debt to your business, add other people's money to your business. Because when you add debt to your business, it makes you fragile. Yeah, that's totally, absolutely true. I guess you increase upside, you increase downside as well. Everything increases with that, doesn't it? Interesting point that you're making. So I mean, just by the way, let's just clean up what, what people understand by what your language is. So turning $50,000 annual balance mark is the phrase you use. How does that equate to revenue, which is probably a metric most of us are more familiar with? Well, annual balance is, uh, when I say annual balance, I refer to the receivables, to the actual receivables of Amazon over a year. Now, the revenue is, is gross sales. So gross sales includes all your, you know, Amazon fees, commissions, or fees from another marketplace where you're active, right? So we fund your, your actual receivable, and we also apply our fee on the receivable. So, I mean, did I answer it? I think so. So, I mean, I think, so you're looking at $250,000 that Amazon's going to pay you over the course of 12 months. Exactly, exactly. So, so I guess that's going to equate to, what, $300,000, $350,000 in gross revenue or something along those lines, right? It, it depends on the business model, right? Yeah. You know, you might have to use more PPC. You might, so it depends on the business model. So it, it's, it all comes down to your gross net ratio. Hmm. So, but again, we fund the net and we apply our fee on the net. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I guess it's just, it's from your point of view, you're thinking in terms of receivables and debts as a balance sheet centered term, right? And most um, e-commerce operators live in the profit and loss statement. So I guess it's just another bit of tweaking of the thinking, right? So receivables from Amazon is what they are going to pay you over 12 months. Is that about right? Exactly. Receivables yeah. from Amazon is what Amazon uh, unlock will disperse over over the period of a year. Okay. So so how do you guys calculate that then? Because obviously what Amazon owes me right now for the last 14 days, because they pay us every 14 days normally, and that's what they actually owe me. So as a receivable on my balance sheet, I, I'm guessing that 
whatever Amazon is going to pay me is maximum 14 days. How do you guys push that out to a whole year? How do you calculate that number? This is when the seller registers and bid from the Amazon API the data, a time trend. We, we have the history. This is very calculated through the seller's financial events. And actually, we also display that to the seller. So per month uh, and per marketplace, services, it's uh, available at the marketplace level. So we can break down this, this metric per marketplace and in the aggregate. So, you know, let's say over uh, each month, we measure your uh, monthly balance. Yeah, we onboard entities that are over that, that have reached that, that uh, milestone. So let me try and clarify what it is we're kind of the deal we're entering here. So you guys are not buying stuff from us in advance, but it, what, what's the kind of transaction here? So you're basically anticipating what Amazon is going to pay us and then you pay us that in advance. Is that pretty much what it's happening? No. No, that's not. It's even simpler than that. We, we, read, we read over 24 hours your, your sales data across all marketplaces that you have registered with Storefront. And uh, the next day, we advance 80% of that value to your bank account. So that, that, it's as simple as that, right? Good. Thank you for clarifying so that. It's, so it's as simple as that. Why is that? Because you will get paid in the future, in two weeks, in 10 days, depending on Amazon's payment terms. So we advance against your total Amazon balance. Okay, got you. And then, so you pay 80% of that and the 20% difference is, is your fee. Is that right? No, Michael, <laughs> this is not this is not our fee. The 20% is, I say, is a buffer against unforeseen Amazon charges, product returns. You know, there are many cases, let's say if you're a dropshipper and now in the midst of the pandemic, there were many late delays. The product did not arrive on time. Consumers filed A to Z claims. So in, in some instances, that 20% buffer was not even enough because a lot of people returned the, the products or even kept the product and just filed for a, for a full reimbursement, right? So the 20% is, is this buffer that protects us against such instances. When Amazon distributes, we release the 20% reserve and minus our fee. So that, that's the transaction. Now, as we grow more comfortable with your account, we can increase our advance rate. So there are instances where our advance rate is 90, 95%. But these sellers have been with us for quite some time, some of them over two years, which is another, you know, testimony of the efficacy uh, of the service. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. And I guess I hopefully I'm asking the dumb questions that people listening might be. I like such questions, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> dumb questions can be good. Yeah, no, it's good to clarify what the heck's going on. Okay, so look, it's a really pretty simple product. So you're basically getting cash into people's pockets, you know, well, 80% of the cash, between whatever, four and 14 days quicker than they would have had it. And over time, that actually means much less need for, you know, equity investment or loans in the short term anyway, by the sound of it. So and I totally get that the cash funding growth thing. Exactly. And there are, there are cases of sellers, quite a few cases of sellers that they have utilized our service without adding debt, right? Without adding liabilities to their, to their balance sheet. 
and they have grown from, I have cases from sellers that they were doing 10, 15,000 a month more than two years ago, and now they are doing over 220. So they are over that seven mark. We have sellers that they were doing already nine to 10 million. And with that, after a year, they have grown close to 20, over 20 million. So the the service adds value irrespective of uh, the size of the company. Excellent. It all comes down to how well the seasoned entrepreneur uh, will utilize the money. Mm. Which brings me to that's a very good point. So that brings me then, I mean, thank you for clarifying that really this kind of service accelerates any size of business growth. And really, they say growth sucks cash. It's Vern Harnish's statement from uh, the wonderful book Scaling Up formerly known as Rockefeller Habits, a really, really great statement to bear in mind because what it means is you've got to grow fast, you've got to get cash from somewhere. How do you get cash? Well, okay, store fund is one very good example. So tell me about this characteristic of people who handle funding well then, because as you said, the seasoned entrepreneur will use it wisely to grow. Obviously, some people will get into trouble the more funding they have in their business. So what are the characteristics of people who, who do well with funding, including, for example, your daily cash flow product? Uh, okay, and now we have to break it down to business model as well, right? Because there are multiple business models on Amazon, and I have listened to one of your past podcasts where you so well elaborated on them. Uh, so let's say you are a mixture of a reseller and dropshipper, right? Okay, I was going to say, yeah, in which case then let me intervene and say like uh, the main focus of this podcast is private label slash custom private products. Label. So why don't we focus on private label slash custom products as a business model then? Yeah, with private label, uh, it's again, I would say you have the processes in place, you're going to you already have something that is already working for you, right? Because you already reached a certain milestone and we have onboarded you. I I believe you have to have structure. You have to have processes. You have to have reliable suppliers that you have already tested the quality of the uh, product that that you're purchasing. I feel that I'm not the absolute expert because I'm not inside there running their business, but I see people who are very much goal-oriented. They will always play by the book on Amazon. They will use PPC wisely. Yes, they will burn cash when they launch a new product, right? In order to put a footprint on, on, on the marketplace. I mean, that's an overall description. And I would like to add, and this is also the nature of our service, they have international aspirations. So they're not only going to stay in one marketplace, but they will go beyond, yeah. right? And and this also makes you more robust in a way if you are, if you have a presence in multiple marketplaces. Yeah, absolutely true. I mean, I know that just a couple of reflections on that. I mean, first of all, yes, having structured processes, reliable supplies in place kind of sounds obvious, but it's actually really important to clarify when is not the right time to pour gasoline on the fire, as the Americans would say, are you getting funding whether from you guys or a bank or, or indeed investors, you don't want to be asking your your family to sink their life savings in for the most sort of friendly money you can think of if it's not reliable. And it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but people get so obsessed with growth, they forget that you've got to get it solid first. So it's a good reminder. The second thing is the international aspirations make it more robust. 
I really agree with that. I remember speaking to my friend Kevin last year, Kevin Tanderson, that's it, who runs uh, a business which has a lot of sales in the US and a lot in Europe. And his US sales created at a certain point in 2021 because the pandemic hit things in a certain way, whereas in Europe kind of stayed quite robust, amazingly, at that point. Of course, later that sort of switched, switched around. So, yeah, that does make sense that, that adding marketplaces makes it more robust, actually. Exactly. And actually, we can also take it further. And you, you might, we might say that you're anti-fragile, right? Because you're already anti-fragile because you're in the e-commerce space. On the other hand, you know, you are present in more marketplaces, so you can channel, you can minimize uncertainty, let's say. So for example, with Brexit right now, we have sellers that are forced to, unfortunately, to form legal entities in the EU. So they are UK sellers with a UK legal entity and they ended up setting up a GmbH in Germany for Amazon, right? So this is, and again, all services there because this particular UK seller doesn't have to worry that now he has a German entity instead of a UK entity. Storfan is still there to finance him on a daily basis because we onboard legal entities from multiple jurisdictions right so yeah that's not a small point actually because an awful lot of the um loans or other funding type products out there are restricted so a lot of there's a lot of exciting products in america and i interview the guys to the podcast and i say oh normally i say before we go live uh, is this okay for european uk sellers and often the answer is no it's only us entities so that's a really really key point and particularly at the moment the EU versus UK entity question, as you say, is just huge. As a UK-based seller, I can tell you yeah. that everyone's panicking right now about that. So that's really good to hear. Well, well for us, it was a no-brainer, Michael, when we designed the product. Since we started from Europe, we had to deal with more than one currency <laughs> and with multiple marketplaces. So uh, that was the only way forward. And, and actually, that... It appears it's a blessing now, yeah. and we can we just added Saudi Arabia and uh, UAE to our service. You know, we have all the major, of course, marketplaces, and we added Australia. We onboard Australian entities, EU, Canadian, US, of course, and, and UK. So again, it's a solution for the world. Of yeah. <laughs> I like it. Solution for the world. It's not like you're about to produce a pop record for their starving. But yeah, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's really not to be overlooked. That level of flexibility is really, really important because we've been used to operating the world where things are very easy to operate from the legal side until last couple of years, really. And, and in the UK until about a month ago. <laughs> so it's a really big change and it's very important. So let's switch slightly. We're talking about fragility, anti-fragile, that famous concept by Nicholas Nassim Taleb, whose whose books are absolutely fascinating. I mean, he's a funny old character. They're they're a mixture of massive polemics against just about everybody and and amazing insight. It's very funny. I love them. So they're talking about fragility. Obviously, loans have some downsides. And of course, I guess you guys don't you know, have loan products, but you have sort of funding type products. And you're saying people are growing pretty well without loans. What are the reasons to be cautious around loans, do you think, in your experience of seeing what e-commerce... Listen, a loan, as I said, it's a different product, right? You have to be cautious. But then again, if it works out, it's a great product, right? Because let's say you have a nominal interest rate of 10%. uh, You use that money. Everything goes according to plan. 
and uh, you have a great return of the capital that you have employed. The issue here is that not everything goes according to plan. There is us, especially entrepreneurs, we have an optimistic bias. We tend to see things, we believe things are rosier, right? So now take this optimism and put it in on a spreadsheet, use other people's money in an uncertain venture for, you know, the Let's say you also have the uncertainty of Amazon, but let's say we control that. Season sellers can control that to an extent. But then you have the uncertainty overall. And you have a much longer, of course, uh, timeline to pay that loan back. So that, that that's what I'm saying. I always say to the sellers, you know, daily payments, it's your bachelor's. You can start with that and then you can graduate to a master of science and start also utilizing loans. But I believe you can go really far uh, just with daily payments. And that's, I don't know if I answer your question fully, but again, it's, I think it's a mixture of, we cannot predict, right? <laughs> Compounded with this uncertainty. So daily payments, it's, even if things go south, right? If you have a product like storefronts, things will work out, right? Because Amazon will eventually uh, settle the balance. Unless, of course, we're talking about, uh, you know, counterfeit products and stuff like that, which, of course, this is not uh, what we're talking about right yeah. now. So, yeah, no, I like it. I mean, I, I like the way the reality check. Entrepreneurs are optimistic anyway. And then you put it in a spreadsheet and then you add on other people's money. And I think yeah, it's very easy to get overexcited and you end up taking bigger risks than you probably would in a different situation, right? And there's something about it that induces risk taking, which is exciting. But then, yeah, the, the downsides can be pretty big, I guess, can't they? Yeah, of course, because that's the, what, uh, what you have to ask or we have to find out what is the effective cost of your loan, right? Let's say you have your beautiful plan, you're bound to a single figure, you have that optimism in, inside there, and then 20% of the product that you purchase with other people's money, right, with a loan does not sell. So what is the effective cost of your loan then? The loan installments are still there, but the actual cost will be higher than what you're paying, right? Because you will have uh, less merchandise to make up, to generate cash to pay back uh, the loan. But again, you know, I believe larger entities that we have in our service, they use wisely a combination of, of products. So they have their own equity, they have lines of credit, they use daily payments. Another thing which is great about our product is that it's very flexible. It's designed at the marketplace level. So you can stop and restart. So you can add marketplaces. You can, let's say, okay, I need liquidity, but you know something, I just want to add Germany or I just want to add the UK or France. And, and then you can stop and use it again. So it's now, I mean, this, uh, maybe we, the conversation will drag too much, but, you know, we have a wallet, a global wallet system uh, that we can also facilitate payments. You can execute payments. You can pay your suppliers through the storefront interface in multiple currencies. So it's it's an all-encompassing solution for the e-commerce sellers in 2021 that's really handy actually also that's another thing that is not to be underestimated because i'm um, paying suppliers in different currencies 
apart from being a very complex architecture to set up, obviously, each time you transfer things from one thing to another, you have two major downsides in my experience. One is that people take a little percentage here, a little percentage here, and suddenly it's costing you real money. And the other thing is the overview, the visibility is hard to get. You have to fight to pull together 10 systems onto a spreadsheet once a month and then look at it and go, oh, this is not good. So I think the fact that you can do that in one place is really powerful, actually. Um, and that wasn't, by the way, something I was aware of that you guys offered. So I'm glad you mentioned it. So what do you call that? A digital wallet? What is it you call that service? I like calling it the global wallet. Global wallet. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, nice. That's really good. I mean, and how do you guys handle sort of currency conversions, sort of payments and stuff? Um, what? Is it sort of mid-market rate or how, how do you even sort of calculate that? Yeah, the, everything is excessively transparent. Uh, when we say the word mid-market rate is a spot rate, right? We apply uh, a fee on the spot rate whenever the seller converts the money. So right now it's 0.4% is the uh, conversion fee. But again, our solution is powered uh, by payment service providers with whom we have partnerships, right? So it's it's a product that is, there are many parts behind uh, that they're working, of course, seamlessly so that the Amazon seller has this experience. And by the way, our product is also available for C-discount sellers and more European marketplaces are coming, are joining the store fund power daily payments. So that's good to know. Yeah, C discount is pretty big in France. And I mean, I guess that the relationship between the size of Amazon as a percentage of e commerce in France and C discount is quite different to most. Right? I mean, C discount is pretty, pretty big compared to Amazon. I think I think they're almost the same. I don't remember. I don't I don't remember the figures. Last time I checked, but that was quite quite some time i think they were pretty close yeah i mean in the billion in the billion yeah time. for sure i mean i think it was something like 50 percent of the size of amazon in 2019 and of course 2020 has changed everything okay. so everything could be completely yeah. different proportion now but yeah it's definitely worth having so okay got a few simple questions about your service and i think i should i should ask these because i nearly missed the wallet thing which i think is really important apart from a seamless experience more importantly i think is seamless overview of what's happening in your business which is the piece that is often missing i think and that's really dangerous when it comes yes. to finances so how quickly do you get funds into the account well usually when the sellers register it takes 48 hours and within 48 hours i think we can start the service yeah so if everything of course is right, yeah great. no of so, course if, if you're not producing counterfeit goods or selling like ten thousand dollars a month yeah Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, no. So you obviously support international sellers. That was one of my questions. Can you give us an idea of the, the cost for your service? I guess it may be how long's a piece of string, but give, give me some kind of flavor for how much factoring costs, because it kind of has a yeah, reputation of, of being an expensive form of funding. I don't know if that's true for you guys or not. But the expensive form of funding, again, uh, I think we gave the the example of the, of the loan before. True. Listen, again, I always, when sellers ask me that, I always say, you know, how much are you willing to pay to grow an average by 20%? Because, and, and the figure that I quote is the global average that we have since we started onboarding sellers. There is a subset, which I call more seasoned uh, entrepreneurs, that they have managed to grow by over 30, 35%. So if you use the service wisely, the extra sales and the extra profit will pay the fee. Yeah, makes right? sense. Now, we apply a fee of 1% to 2% on your net balance. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, whether that's good or bad will depend on 
individual businesses' figures, but it's useful to have a, an idea. If I'm sorry to let me just add this. If you use the service and you do not grow, I mean, then obviously this is not it's, it's not great, right? It's not for you. And there are instances where I actually proactively advise sellers to stop the service. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I mean, there's no point in taking any form of, of funding if you're not going to use it to grow. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> no, no, again, but what I just said is uh, it, it, when there are larger entities, I don't have full visibility. So they, are, they might be using all the liquidity that we gave them to grow faster on Walmart or, you know, to expand to Allegro or so. Again, everything is relative. So, but based on what I see, you know, and of course I get to know the entrepreneurs, I understand where they're active, so I have a better uh, opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. And by the way, this it, it's a pernickety point, but since we're talking finance, at uh, 20% over the course of the two years that you've been working with them, or is that 20% per year growth or something? That's the average, but it depends because uh, we started two years ago. So I have a seller that has been with us over two years, he has grown by more than 85%, right? Yeah. So that's the average monthly growth, his average month with store fund compared to before store fund. Yeah. So that, that, that's what that's what I'm comparing. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, it, it's still pretty substantial. I mean, over two years, 20% extra on, you know, several tens or several hundred thousands of dollars a month. Exactly. It's a pretty significant number. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. I mean, so this is sort of thing that I guess people got to sit down with their CFO if it's a big enough business or the accountant and figure out for themselves. I mean, one question I've got here that I think you you said to me that you get quite often is, why should I opt for this service when I could just get a loan? Well, the answer I think is what I what I mentioned before. Again, it depends uh, what you're looking for, but you know, they're two different products, right? On the first instance, with daily payments, you use your own funds in a way, right? We accelerate your future Amazon payouts. In the case of a loan, you use other people's money, right? So it's a totally different product. It's like comparing apples with bananas, literally. You will add uh, a liability on, on on your spreadsheet. You're gonna use other people's money. You will increase the uncertainty uh, depending on how long it will take uh, to pay back the loan. So, you know, again, as I said, daily payments, it's a great way to increase your growth rates and without taking much risk or any risk. Great, uh, great answer. I mean, I think really, as you said, simple things that it appears in your balance sheet, then that totally changes the kind of fundability or the sellability of your business, it increases the risk profile of your business, broadly speaking, more debt on the balance sheet, right? So it's not a small thing. Exactly. And if you are sparring for an exit uh, and you can, let's say, put more gas into your engine through a service like ours and the time comes to exit, you won't have any debt on your balance sheet, right? So even the most probably the value of your company will be higher too. Yeah. And I just think that debt is one of those things where people start examining things with a microscope because they probably should, because the risk is higher as well as the reward. And yeah, this is a less complicated product. So in other words, you get the money to grow when you need it. And when you don't, it's not on your balance sheet. You've got a clean balance sheet to sell. So that makes sense to me. Exactly. And I, I like to emphasize the uncertainty because most of the time things do not go as planned. <laughs> I, I just want to emphasize that, you know, uh, <laughs> most of the time, or predictions 
are not, do not materialize. And this is a whole different discussion about this thing. You know, there are many much wiser men and, and women than us that they have talked about. You're right. But I think just, just to keep it simple, I guess that daily sort of orientation of the product keeps it short term and simple. It can have good medium and even long term growth impact, which is great. But you don't have to sit there and try and calculate over the five year value of a loan what's going to happen in the next five years in e-commerce, because like nobody in March 20. 20 was going to be able to predict that either. So yeah, good and bad is hard to predict. I'm absolutely with you on that. The story of the pandemic has two sides, right? As you know, because supply chains were broken, deliveries were late, uh, ODRs increased. So, you know, we, we had many success stories, but we also had stories where sellers could not keep up and could not uh, keep up with the e-commerce game. So, you know, we usually tend to hear the rosy stories, the, the great narratives. That's very true. And yes, I've seen both sides of that with my clients. I mean, some really suffered last year from a total lack of sales. Some had killer years and many had great sales numbers and then absolutely horrendous time trying to get their stock into Amazon. So, yeah, you're right. And, and that really affects cash flow as well. If you've got your stock paid for in China and then it takes two months to get it ready to sell instead of, you know, three days or something ridiculous, that really affects cash flow. Yeah, you're right. And again, having a flexible product. And the, and the loan installment is there. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. So having a flexible solution in a flexible world is, is a really wise starting point. And as you say, start with this as your bachelor's and then graduate to your master's using loans exactly. wisely very very good thinking i like this um, way of thinking as much as anything so look, you guys obviously got a very interesting product on offer if people want to discuss this with you or explore more about it how do they find out where do they go well they, they can go they can go to our site or they can just email me i don't know i mean the my first name at storefund.com so costas at storefund.com storefund. with a c yeah, so store fund without any so s t o r f u n d dot com exactly plus the c o a s c o s t a s at storefront dot com. Great, or even you can go to storefront dot com and then get in touch with you guys. Exactly. Great. Well, look, I know you're a busy chap. You guys are always producing more and more products and and serving more and more marketplaces. So I better that you get back to serving the world's e-commerce sellers. But it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, as ever, Costas, and we'll look forward to getting you back on the show when you're serving, you know, millions of marketplaces. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, been really educational. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. It was one of the best interviews. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.